Well, would you look at that? April is officially here, and so is Money with Joe Bowen, starring Joe Bowen from Hollis Wealth. Howdy. Howdy. What's happening in West Vancouver these days? What's going on? Oh, crocuses and tulips oh, and everything else. No. What a great time. Well, your here. birthday's coming up, isn't it? Yes, my birthday's coming up. My son's birthday is April 4th. Uh, today was my good friend from high school's birthday, Tony Wilson, April 2nd. My brother is April 7th. Mine is April 13th. My dog is April 28th. My <laughs> nephew is April 26th. And my best friend, Aaron, is April 22nd. Oh, the party bazaar is getting a visit from Joe at some point. Busy, busy month. What a great month, too. Oh, my uh, goodness. It's always been my favorite time of year. The lawn is mowed, fertilized, limed. Soon it'll be aerated. The birds are chirping every morning. And we're happy to have you here because uh, what we want to do is get you thinking about your money. What is it doing? Where is it? Are you getting the very best service that you deserve with regards to your money? Because too many of us set it, forget it, and we're not getting the service or the benefits of objective advice. And that's what you deserve. And that's why Joe's here, because that's how Joe treats his clients. That's how he will treat you. And on the program today, we will discuss the risks of borrowing against these rising house prices. You look, you see your neighbor's house is worth this much. Now yours is worth this much. You're thinking, well, I'm going to tap into the equity of that and we'll do certain things with it, et cetera, et cetera. There are some big risks associated with doing that. Joe will also go in-depth on long-term corporate funds, what they are, and the best way to deal with them. And we'll also talk about widows and how they sometimes will have to start all over again. And, and for many, men and women, um, for the first time, they are now in control of the money. And that can be daunting, especially in the wake of losing somebody close. It's the April 2nd edition of Money with Joe Bowen. Joe's telephone number, I'll pass it along throughout the program, but here it is in advance, 604-603-2336, 604-603-2336, Joe Bowen, B-O-W-E-N dot C-A. And all anybody is talking about, springtime, is the housing prices I just alluded to, for sale signs everywhere, mm -hmm. and even in my neighborhood, in Tawasson, um, a, a place that was notorious for lagging, glacier-like real estate movement, where it would be years before houses would sell. It was the weirdest thing. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, gone in a week, torn down in a month, and starting over with a giant big mausoleum put up in the uh, in place. And it's hard to disseminate it all, but my, my social media timelines are full of articles. Now, the Globe and Mail is doing some really good stuff on this, what they call a crisis, housing crisis, affordability crisis. Uh, and, and, and there's so many layers to it, Joe. But you've thought about it a lot because, A, you love and are fascinated by real estate as a hobby. Mm -hmm. And, B, you're infuriated by what's happening. <laughs> Yeah, well, it makes me sick. I, what was that article? You and I both read it. Was it The Walrus? The high risk, highest bidder from The Walrus, but the writer is, a, this is incredible. The Globe has a full-time um, real estate beat, and that's what this gal does. I'll find her name in just a minute, because I, I think you yeah. should read the article. It's extremely in-depth. It's really in-depth. This whole problem, and all the people who are absolutely full of crap, uh, who would discuss it in the media up till only recently uh, has been something that's really bothered me a lot. We all, those of us out there trying to buy and going around to open houses, full well knew who it was that was buying all the property and driving all the prices up. 
And those who said they didn't know it and didn't know for sure, they friggin' well knew too. Politicians, they knew. Everybody knew, but no one wanted to stop it, or there very few people wanted to stop it because, hey, their pocketbooks kept getting thicker and thicker and thicker, and their housing prices are going up. There was no political will, no motivation at all to do anything about it except to stall and stall and stall. And some of the first things you do to stall is whenever anybody says anything about something like this, as long as the other people on the other side of the conversation don't look like you, somebody's always there to pop their head up like a -a whack-a-mole and bark the word racism. And I I tell you, I want to have the club and whack that mole right now. I'm, I'm so sick of the people that jump up and bark that word out about every single conversation we ever try to have because it just shuts it down instantly. Mm. Instantly shuts the conversation down. And uh, we've all been muzzled for 25 years now, not being able to talk about so many issues because of that. Well, look, if it was Americans buying all the real estate, we'd be just as upset. It has nothing to do with who they are or where they're from. An American isn't a race, so no one would be able to bark Mm -hmm. that out anymore. But they would do what they're doing right now, because since that has left the conversation now, honestly, we've talked that to death. That's not what's going on here. But the new issue uh, isn't so much about that as it's about the study that they say what they want to do now. Another delay tactic to mm. keep pushing this and kicking this down the road a little farther. Well, we don't really have real evidence yet, so we're going to have to do a study and figure it out. But this article we read... Carrie Gold is her name. Carrie Gold. And that article was fantastic, and it really laid out the problem. And, you know, the study that they did most recently was based on power consumption, you know, and vacant homes, which is, you know, another sort of side issue to what's happening right now and vacant mm-hmm. homes in places like Dunbar, which uh, means that there are no neighbors, no families, you know, like it used to be when I grew up where every single house had a family. There's some beautiful descriptions in there. Gone are the days of the screen door slamming and kids running around to mm-hmm. their neighbor's house. Gone are big gaggles of kids going out trick-or-treating. Gone. So neighborhoods are being destroyed. Uh, old, charming houses are being torn down, and the best description I heard was the the, the marble-tiled urinals being put up yeah, exactly. in, in their place. So it is, our culture is being ripped away from us again. Yeah. Well, we're not allowed to have a culture, didn't you know that? What? We've been told that since the PC movement started in around 1990-91. North Americans don't have a culture. Mm. That's right. It's there, There's so many layers and issues to it. Uh, and vacant homes, by the way, in neighborhoods are leading to businesses going, well, what's the point of being here anymore? You well, know, yeah. Bus- yeah. Little businesses along Dunbar that used to thrive, you know, people are going, well, nobody comes and shops here anymore. They either go straight to Oak Ridge or they you know, don't go downtown. Well, yeah. And if you are a young family in a neighborhood like that and the kids try to go out trick-or-treating, all the doors are closed, all the lights are turned off, all the curtains are drawn... Even if people do live in the houses, that's what you're experiencing. So it's not a community. It's not a neighborhood. Nobody wants to be part of anything. The kids aren't all out playing street street hockey. And it'll be another whole generation, 20 years from now, before we'll really see all that start to come back up again, when people have finally lived long enough and raised another generation of kids. Because they'll all be raised here. They'll be just like our kids. But that's not what's going on right now. It's just a mess. And imagine realtors putting, or property managers putting pumpkins on stoops and wreaths on just door, to make the just house to make it look, look like it's lived it's in. Incredible. I know that that angers me a lot. Go find it. Globe and Mail, Carrie Gold, a fabulous read on the situation, real estate in Vancouver, and we'll continue with money with Joe Bowen in just a moment here on CKNW News Talk nine eighty. Feels good to have April on the calendar. 
as we welcome you back to Money with Joe Bowen. We were just talking about these insane uh, real estate inflations in the Lower Mainland. Maybe you're sick of hearing about it. Maybe not, because it is a fascinating issue. Is it a long-term issue? Will this keep happening for five years, ten years? I mean, that's uh, what we need a crystal ball for. Don't you wish you had a crystal ball? Oh, life would be so much easier, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. I'd be out of town when the big earthquake came, that's for sure. Somewhere <laughs> somewhere safe. Uh, so what Yeah, happens? that's all I'd use it for, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the things that's happening is suddenly big institutions and lenders are getting phone calls and applications. They're flying around like confetti from people trying to tap into this sudden equity windfall in their home and maybe they're maybe they're buying another property with it somewhere in the hinterland like a recreational property. Maybe they're paying down some debt. Maybe they're doing a new car, who knows. But there are risks associated with tapping into your home equity. Maybe we should talk about some of them because this is, you know, timely, isn't it? Yeah, and it's become a bigger problem than ever before uh, since the housing prices have really started to rise recently. Um, Canadians have borrowed more and more and more and more money, and, and and that is a very false stimulus to an economy, for one. Um, you can't just create wealth out of nothing. Uh, it doesn't work. Uh, and and this is a very dangerous time we're in right now, and it could all turn around could all turn around. One thing could happen. Some The Chinese government could start to crack down and the Canadian government could agree to help them crack down. Next thing you know, money is in an exodus back out the door the other way again because people are scared of being penalized. And, uh, you know, if that happened, uh, prices might drop. But, but what's happening is people are feeling richer and richer and richer. Uh, and and they're, they're looking at their house and saying, you know what, I bought this house... Uh, you know, maybe it's a younger family and they bought it 15 years ago for $400,000 and now it's worth 1.4 or 1.8 million. And they think, wow, look at all the money we have now. And then you get all these um, institutions, these banks who are creating wealth for themselves by promoting unlocking the value of your home, unlocking the money in your home. Uh, why don't you come in and we'll unlock the assets in your home and create an investment account. Because with, it's your money. Because it's your money. And you know what really scares me about this, though, is that I'm seeing a lot of this now with people coming in for advice. And I look and they have a $100,000 loan from their bank for an investment account to invest in the stock market. Uh, or more, or they've been offered that from one person they were going to, to see what they would say. Then they come to me to see what I would say, and they pick who they're going to go with. (laughs) And the other person has said to them, yeah, what we can do is we can lend you $250,000. We can invest that money and you can grow it over here. And the earnings off that will pay the interest on this. And then there'll be extra earnings above and beyond that. And that story is, is that's the worst dog and pony show I've ever seen. And it's a very, very, very dangerous. If you're going into your institution and they're recommending you do that, know that they've done something for themselves and they're being extremely greedy and they're putting you at great risk by telling you to do that. In my industry, we are scrutinized heavily, really, really heavily. If anyone wants to borrow invest, I don't even do it. Uh, I, in the past, I did a couple of very small ones many years ago through insurance companies, different situation altogether. Um, and there's only been one scenario where a senior had to borrow money against their house or they were going to lose their home. And that's the only one I've had to do. One, 
out of dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of people I've met with. It's just a way for an advisor to get bonuses, to build their their own wealth, to get bigger commissions, uh, to get the institution they work for, to recognize them as a big producer, whatever you want to call it. Uh, don't do it. Um, what if the housing prices drop? What, what, what if it does happen that the housing prices drop? What if interest rates rise and you go from having a $100,000 investment loan that's costing you $2,500 a year uh, and all of a sudden it's costing you $7,000 a year? And if interest rates did rise that much, which they won't immediately, but time will come, maybe one day. Because if you're going to borrow money to invest, it's a long-term decision. You have to be in it for the long run. Well, in the long run, that's going to happen one day. Rates are going to go up. And if it goes up like that, it'll probably stall the stock market. So now your investments will probably be dropping at the same time as the cost of borrowing the money has skyrocketed. And what if your hundred grand is suddenly worth 60 grand and it's costing you more than it? It's not making anything. You got to take that out of your own income. You're in big trouble. Um, so, and borrowing to run around and buy yourself coach bags and Gucci and all this other crap and fancier cars than you ever would have bought otherwise. Really, really bad move. Uh, and there's and there's the fact that uh, the banks could be calling loans one day. What if the economy starts to tighten up a little bit and interest rates rise a little and things start to get a little ugly in Canada and banks go, you know what, we got to get some of these riskier loans off the books. Uh, CIBC did this for several years where they were cutting down some of the loans they saw as a little bit too risky to try to, because they were kind of, uh, trying to lower their risk profile, I guess, is what you say. What if the banks do that? What do they call your loan? You know, when your house has dropped in value and you already had a mortgage and then you borrowed more money for investing and all of a sudden the investments are down, the house is down and you walk away with nothing or less than nothing. You're not even allowed to walk away. Uh, what if you get forced to move by all of this? So, you know, borrowing against your house just because it's going up in value is not a good move at all. And if you have an emergency and you really do need to borrow against your house, your roof starts to leak and it needs to be replaced or somebody gets sick and can't work for a year and you that and you don't have the proper insurance and you have to borrow against your house to get that money, if you've already maxed out doing all this other stupid stuff, you're not going to have that buffer or safety. Yikes. So there it is. But you see it all over the place. And you see people that are borrowing and then investing in more property and just building up this, well, they're trying to build up an empire. Yeah, just but, like 2006, remember? Mm-hmm. Americans it, were doing it a lot, and Canadians, but mostly Americans. And, and I remember, you know, things were looking pretty good around here at 2007. They when were. people were going, oh my gosh, look at the value of my home, 2007. Yep. Well, that's now nine years ago. Yep. And there are some similarities. And then the crash happened in 08. Oh, yeah. And, and in, the people, states, in the States, it started in 07. It was really bad on real estate. Well, and, and it started with, with bad loans. Well, there you go. And this is where, you know, Joe tries to give you objective advice that suits your best interests, not his. Uh, and it's always good to have somebody on your side, especially when it comes to money. You work so hard to earn it, and you don't want to have it snatched away from you. By the way, uh, you brought up a particular institution that I had a real go at on the phone the other day because <laughs> because they're, uh, I, I travel a lot to the U.S., and when you phone this particular institution to ask about your credit card, the first thing that comes through the automated voice system is, do you know that it's now easier to travel with your credit card? That uh, you don't have to alert the bank when you are uh, in foreign countries to use your credit card? I was down in Seattle. I ate at P.F. Chang's. And somewhere back in Toronto, an alert was triggered on an automated fraud 
whatever. God. And so then I couldn't use it for the rest of the trip. And I, I absolutely had a go. Oh, Peter, that happened to us in Disneyland. Isn't that the worst? It's just the worst. And they say it's for your protection. Right. Which is a big crock. Well, I had this poor guy, I mean, in tears. He actually gave me a credit in the end. But I'm just, I, I, I kept saying to him over and over, this doesn't happen with my other card. Why would I keep this yeah. card? If this happens with your card all the time, if I go to P.F. Chang's and have lunch, and then the next time my card is declined, P.F. Chang's? Are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, the fraud alert. Someone stole your credit card, and the first thing they did is went to get a nice meal they before went, they went on the spending spree. That's right. They went to yeah. P.F. Chang's and spent $60 yeah. on some very good Kung Pao uh, scallops and prawns. But the point is, <laughs> <laughs> why on earth would that trigger a fraud alert? Yeah, and for people who travel an awful lot... This is a major inconvenience. Well, I can see why it would trigger a fraud alert in a company where their policy is if you're going to travel with your credit card, you need to call us. But like you said, the system told you while you were on hold that you no longer have to nope. do that. So exactly, why would it trigger a fraud alert? So then the people who do my insurance, they take a credit card payment to pay for the car insurance every year. Well, it was declined and it was declined again. Do you know I, I was not insured? Wow. Thankfully, the deadline wasn't there, but that's what I told these people. Yeah. I said, you know, yeah. my car wasn't insured because yeah. of your fraud system, your automated fraud system. Yeah. Automation. Everything is automation. I couldn't get my mom the operation she needed. She's gone now, thanks to you. <laughs> <laughs> Just throw a heap a little bit more on that pile. <laughs> oh. oh. Anyway, it's the 2nd of April. You're listening to Money with Joe Bowen. Joe's telephone number is 604-603-2336. That's 604-603-2336. Objective advice from a guy who has your best interests at heart, not his own. The website is joebowen, B-O-W-E-N.ca. And we'll be back in just a moment with more Money with Joe Bowen, CKNW News Talk 980. There are many reasons and situations that bring clients to Joe's door. Hopefully one of them is listening to this program. And if you've been listening to this program for any length of time, we've been doing this for how many years now? 12? September of 07. We wow. started doing this show. Hang on. My yeah. math's off again. It is. So it's nine Coming, years. We're in our ninth year right That's now. That's pretty good. Yeah. It yeah. feels like 12 years, believe me. Yeah, sure um, does. <laughs> <laughs> But if you do listen to this program, and if you have for any length of time, what the heck are you waiting for? I mean, are you just here every week to be entertained by witty repartee? Or are you really being served well by somebody who has your best interests at heart, and you don't need any advice? You know, And in that case, good Congratulations. for you. Yeah, yeah because exactly. it's hard to find people that are going to be honest with you. Like, for example, a windfall occurs, and you go to an institution, and you say, what should we do with this? The first thing they'll say is, well, here's some investment product. Now, it's got our own company's name on it because it's our own in-house product we're trying to push on you. You take that same windfall to Joe, and the first thing you will say is... Do you have any debt? Pay it off. <laughs> exactly. And that's kind of what your uncle or your granddad would do. And that's uh, kind of where Joe comes from. Now, one of the things that brings a lot of people to you, and it's a sad thing, but it's when somebody's widowed. And for the first time mm -hmm. in their lives, having not dealt with the money issue in their life, not always, but often, you're starting over, you need advice, you want to do the right thing, you're already devastated because you are now widowed. Mm -hmm. And so this for you is you know, a very complex uh, and rewarding uh, situation because you can help people. You can really, truly, and meaningfully help people. Where do you generally start when somebody comes to you with a situation? Uh, 
Well, I mean, with any situation, the first thing I do is I have a data form that I design myself where I, I gather as much information about the person and their financial circumstances as possible and their, you know, spouse or in this case, um, a deceased spouse and parents and children and grandchildren and jobs and uh, assets and bank accounts and, and houses and, you know, all of that and liabilities, debt, mortgages, credit cards, lines of credit. Do you have a will? Do you have a, a power of attorney? Do you have life insurance or critical illness insurance or disability insurance? Do you have any of these things in place already or do you need them? Uh, I try to look at the big picture and everything I can. Um, and then we get down to trying to figure out what's missing or what is done one way and should have been done another way. Um, and in, in the case of this lady that I was telling you about earlier, um, um, off air, uh, her husband passed away, uh, over a year, uh, before she finally got to dealing with it. Mm. Um, she, he passed away and he had a riff at, at, uh, at an investment company where she also had her riff and um, she just didn't want to deal with it, and she didn't want to talk to the people. And to be quite honest, she was scared to talk to them because they were very intimidating to her. Every time um, he would go for meetings to talk about their money, if she went, she was like left at the end of the table, and they'd all ignore her. And if she asked a question, everybody would just sort of smirk at her with their little their little kitten faces and look at her, oh, the poor thing, look at her trying to ask a question, you know, and totally disrespecting and patronizing her. And it's really, really, that nothing would make me angrier. I mean, surprised she didn't put staples into someone's head. <laughs> anyway, so she didn't want to deal with them and she left his riff just sitting there, right? Uh, and hers. And uh, and plus in the beginning, it's really hard to deal with any of that stuff. Of you, don't, you don't really want to and you just sort of... Uh, anyway, but she finally said, uh, you know, time's gone by now and I, and I'm feeling like I need to, you know, get on with things and, and really take care of some of this stuff. So, um, you know, they, they had done a really bad job of managing the money over there. Uh, the husband had all these little things he liked to do. So he would tell the broker what he wanted. And the broker, instead of saying to the husband, I don't think that's a very good investment, would try to make the husband feel good about himself because that was part of their sales technique, I suppose. I'd say, oh, isn't that a smart investment, Mr. So-and-so? Uh, yeah, that's a good one. you know. And they'd buy these obscure stocks for him. And they lost so much money, the two of them, over at that brokerage house. So um, she wanted to, she didn't know anything about investing. You know, she thought he kind of knew what he was doing until she saw how much was being lost. And the two of them would explain to her that's how markets work. Well, you know what, honey, uh, nine years of losing money, you know, we keep, before they went to Riff and started drawing money out, they kept adding and adding, but it wasn't going up in value, even with the money they were putting in, you know, and that's okay for a couple of years. Markets go through cycles. We have down periods. Uh, and hopefully if you're in good investments, you don't have to worry about the down period. If you're in bad investments, a downtime is a good time to go find somewhere else to invest. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, so I spent the time with her and I taught her as much as I could about investments. Now I can, you know, I can watch a person and I can see when the eyes start to glaze over. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and sometimes I do create that circumstance if I'm teaching someone something, but I teach as much as someone wants to know. But I like everyone to have at least a simple, basic understanding of what we're doing and why, so that we don't end up having this conversation in 10 years. Oh, I didn't really understand that. Mm, yeah. um, I'm glad you explained it to me. So, uh, so in her case, we transferred all the money out of there. All of a sudden, they cared about her, by the way. <laughs> you know, yeah. she was getting phone calls from them. Well, you better come and see us. And she just said, yeah, no, I don't think so. You never asked to see me before, and you're not going to see me now. So... 
Uh, we transferred the money over, set up a better investment account. It's more conservative. It's more something she can understand what it is and why we did it. Uh, and she's far better off now. But here's the thing. Like, I've been petitioning for a long time. Do I have one minute? One minute. One minute. Um, when you're over a certain age and you're a couple and you're declaring income under two names with two SIN numbers and two pensions and two this and two that and two RIFs, it's all coming in and tax brackets, whether you understand them or not, I can say this much to you. When you split income between two people, it lowers your taxes uh, on average for all the money because there's tax brackets that you split between you, lower tax brackets. When one passes away, all the money shifts over to the other person's name. All the rifts move over there. Any pension rights that it still exists can go over there. And you end up having all that money taken away from a 0% bracket, a 16% bracket, a 20% bracket, and shoved into possibly a 33, a 40, because it gets stacked on top of your income. Yeah. I don't think that's fair. And if the government really cared about widows and widowers, uh, people over, say, 60 years old or 55, 60, 65, pick an age that sounds appropriate, should be allowed to continue to utilize the SIN number of their deceased spouse when they file tax returns every year and get some sort of credit. Mm. I think, because all of a sudden their household yeah. expenses haven't dropped much, you no. know, like what, what food, everything else is still cost the same. Right. Uh, and, and now that person's gone and all of a sudden your income drops because maybe some of their stuff you don't have rights to, you only get so much widow's pension. Uh, and all of a sudden your income's down from that. Then the taxes take even more of it and you're in big trouble all of a sudden. So I think something should be done about that. And every time I have the ear of anybody who could make a difference, I say it. Paging Mr. Trudeau. Well, they did have their budget recently and made some changes, taxation being one of them. Yep. We'll carry on this discussion and long-term corporate funds when we continue. Money with Joe Bowen, starring Joe Bowen of Hollis Wealth, 604-603-2336. April 2nd, crocuses, daffodils, they're all popping out, so are for sale signs and cherry blossoms, etc. It's, it's an optimistic time of year, though, and it's a great time to get a hold of your money, know what it's doing, know where it is, maybe even get a second opinion on, you know, what kind of situation you're actually in because I'd say the vast majority of a majority of us don't really even know. And this is where Joe can come along and show some comparisons. Maybe you're in an in-house product somewhere and it's not performing and you can compare a similar say balanced fund or something in a similar fund category for example and show you the difference. And Joe deals in high quality because he is an open broker and has access to every fund that's available out there. I want to talk a little bit about long-term corporate funds, Joe. What are they and how can you help? Well, long-term corporate funds are not a thing specifically. Really what it is is cash that a corporation has that's sitting around, like Apple and their billions and billions, hundreds of billions sitting around. Uh but if you have a family corporation, let's say, a small corporation, you and a partner, you and your wife, you and your brother, you yourself, uh, you and your sister, whatever, um, if you have a personal corporation and you do your whatever business you're in uh, and there's cash assets starting to build up in the corporate bank account because you're not expanding, you're not doing any of that, you're building up assets, you're not drawing it all out because of you know tax consequences... So you're building up these assets inside the corporate account. And uh, what do you do with that money? I mean, the, the biggest mistake I see is families who keep that money inside their corporation or create a corporate holding company and keep all that money in there 
for years and years and years and years in a bank account. In a bank account paying almost nothing, by the way. And uh, especially nowadays, at the lowest interest rates, I think they said it's in 1,400 years now. Uh, you know, so <laughs> so we're, we're in this really low, let's just call it zero interest rates. And I'm sure there are some out there who believe there's a conspiracy to drive us to zero or negative. Uh, and then they're going to rid us of physical currencies. And this is the reason to buy gold and hide it in your backyard and get your gun and your tinfoil hat. <laughs> Here we go. So anyway... Uh, not that I don't agree with all that. I'm not calling you tinfoil hat people because you might believe some of that. I'm just having fun. Anyway, so corporate accounts. So you have all this money sitting in this account, uh, maybe making a quarter percent or even 1% good for you. You're making a whole percent, uh, going nowhere for years and years, which just proves that it's long-term money. And if it's long-term money, you can't, corporate assets don't have to be in a bank account. So what I do for clients, like for instance, one, one family, they had $1.4 million in their corporate account. They had built it up over the last seven years and uh, it had grown and sat there from deposits, not from interest or growth, uh, for all these years going nowhere. And interest, interest rates had fallen, 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 fallen. And, and when I met with them a couple of years ago, interest rates had pretty much, you know, hit basically where they are now. They bottomed out. And um, they said, you know, there's got to be a better way. And they heard you and I talking about this at the time. And uh, they had this 1.4 million. And they said, you know, we need a few hundred thousand dollars in the corporate account uh, just in case. We might buy some new machinery for this and uh, we might do that. We might buy a couple of company cars and we're not going to lease them. We're going to buy them because it's for family. We just want to keep them, whatever. You know, they had their reasons. So cause they need a delivery truck and stuff. So, so they said, so what, what, well, this is what we'd like to do. We'd like to park the $400,000 in safe liquid investments so that we can get it and use it for the company and for operating costs in case our profits, you know, dry up for the next few years. Sure. Uh, and we need cash on hand, uh, for some of these expenses, but the million we'd like to make long-term so that we can use it later in retirement and we can start taking money out of there later on, or if something happens to us, it'll be there for the children. So what we do with corporate money in that circumstance, what I do for clients is I go to all the insurance companies in Canada and I shop around all the insurance companies and I find the one with the best investment contracts. And what that means is that we find an insurance company that has investments in the market you know, just like say a mutual fund company is a, for instance, but sure. through an insurance company, they're a little different, uh, but there's still, it's, it's filled with stocks and bonds and all these things or whatever you need or whatever risk you're willing to take. We buy the investments into that contract and that contract allows you to name beneficiaries. And that means if anything happens, it doesn't end up getting cashed out of the corporation on that day and, you know, distributed with all sorts of probate and crap. But it also means that you have your money invested in the market. And even if the market crashes and your million dollar corporate money drops to say $500,000 and you pass away, your estate and the corporation are still guaranteed the whole million on death. 100% of that asset is protected on death. So for older people with corporations or hold, corporate holding companies, that's a benefit, one benefit. But the other one is this, and this is the tax benefit and the greatest benefit of all. If you put a million dollars like they did into a corporate investment account through the insurance company, as I described, the insurance company's investments can be spitting out dividends as time goes on, mm. right? 
And on top of that, they can make some interest depending on what you're invested in. But the biggest thing is capital gains. If you buy the investment account and say there are no dividends or interest this year, but the account goes from a million dollars to $1.2 million, that 200000 of growth is called a capital gain, okay? Because the investment itself just grew in value on its own. The stocks grew in value, in price. So that $200,000 is called a capital gain. Well, capital gains in Canada are 50% taxable, 50% tax-free. So we take that $200,000, we cut half of it out, the $100,000 that's tax-free, and it pays out through the corporate dividend. Now, now I know the capital dividend account. Now, I know this is something that most of you are going, what the hell is he talking about? (laughs) But if you have a corporation, you may know. And if you're an accountant, you know too. We can filter that money out of the corporate account tax-free to you. So I know this is probably one of the most complicated and stupidest things ever talked about because most of you, are, they're not even there anymore. They're listening to a music station now, probably on Rock 101 or Fox. But uh, this is a really big benefit. And if you have corporate accounts and you've had trouble getting money out of them, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You can't do this when it's in a bank account. And, uh, and you can actually free up quite a bit of money out of your account while at the same time protecting the principal for your estate. Uh, this is a really big deal. And my family had a family corporation. My grandfather owned a big company, Alliance Mercantile Incorporated with Viking rainwear and footwear. You've probably heard of them. If you've ever walked into a Marksburg warehouse, you've seen those. Vancouver only dish soap and laundry soap and clean glow and all these products. My grandfather invented all of them and he's got tons, hundreds of them. And uh, he had a family corporation and a holding company, and he made his children owners in the holding company, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And all these same benefits he could have utilized at the time if 50 years ago we could set things up that way. And if, hey, well, if I was doing what I'm doing now back then, I would have done it for him. His name is Joe Bowen. Telephone number 604-603-2336. The website is joebowen, B-O-W-E-N.ca. And we'll wrap up the program coming up in just a second here on CKNW News Talk 980. Uh, little chunks of Easter bunny chocolate strewn about the house. That's it. It's almost all gone. Kids were wound up. This year, the Easter bunny snuck in while we were out playing in the garden, if you can believe it. Oh, really? Uh, I know. The kids were just, uh, they were just, they couldn't believe it. We left the sliding door open. The Easter bunny snuck in and left clues all around the house. Oh, isn't that nice? And the kids were just going mental over, you know, this notion that they had to actually follow clues. You know, like there was, there was, wow. there were eggs in the washing machine. There were, there were presents in the fridge. It was, oh, it, so it was fun. fun. Good for you guys for doing that for them. I yeah. mean, good for the Easter bunny. Yes, right. Exactly. You know, my mom just told a story at her house on when we had Easter dinner over there. My nephew, Cody, spent a lot of time with my mom when he was little and still does. He goes there all the time with his grandma. And uh, she called Cody into the kitchen and she had taken a giant ball of cotton and she had tied a string to it out one window and in another window. And she sat by the other window where the string came back in the house. She called Cody in the room and Cody looked over and saw the big ball of cotton suddenly just woof out the window it went. (laughs) And he thought he'd seen the Easter Bunny, right? That's a great idea. And later they were sitting at the kitchen counter one time, him and one of his friends. (laughs) And his friend was trying to convince him there's no Santa, which is ridiculous because we all know there is a Santa. But he was saying, you know, there's no Santa, Cody. There's no Santa. Your parents are Santa. And which is stupid, of course, because how the hell could parents travel around the world to all those houses? It's ridiculous. But anyway, uh, so Cody, (laughs) Cody says back to him, yeah, well, maybe there's not a Santa, but I know there's an Easter bunny because I saw him. (laughs) (laughs) Now there's a great idea. 
yeah. is to get the cotton ball. Yeah, so cool. And yank it out the window. Yeah. That's, that is wicked. Uh, and it is amazing to watch, you know, these two precious, you know, innocent children just go hook, line, and sinker. And, you know, as oh, more yeah. chocolate was being gathered in the basket, their eyes are going squirrely. And they're so funny when they eat the chocolate bunnies, too. I mean, they take a couple of bites of the ears, and then the rest of it just sits there in a crumbly mess. You know, there's there's <laughs> egg wrappers everywhere all over the house, a giant Kinder Egg surprise with oh, junk in the I middle. I so miss Easter when I was a kid. Like, yeah. it's such a nice time of year, right? Yeah. And uh, I... I you know, we used to get the solid chocolate rabbits sometimes, and I always like biting oh. the eye off the outside. The eye was the best part of the rabbit, that little yeah. candy eye. Yeah, yeah. But the solid ones were great because we'd freeze them afterwards, and then you just take it out of the freezer, and you, you remember you scraped your teeth oh, down it to God. get chocolate off and then put it back Yo. in the freezer, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, Easter was special around it. It's not, it's, I don't know, it's not this quite the same as, as it used to be growing up. Of course, yeah. for you with your birthday nearby and just the feelings and yeah. the colors and everything. And I grew up in a cul-de-sac with yeah. beautiful little lawns up in Upper North Vancouver by the forest. Yeah. It was just an idyllic life for Easter. Well, that's it for today. And if you have any uh, questions, comments, concerns, don't call us at all. Uh, Really, it's just a matter of getting in touch with Joe (laughs) and letting him help you make great decisions with your money. That's what it's all about here. Don't procrastinate. Now's a great time to renew, refresh, reset. 604-603-2336. 604-603-2336. That's 604-603-2336. The website is joebowen, B-O-W-E-N.ca. See you in a week. See you in a week.